0: in our church that we give all the men a snickers bar on uh on uh, father's day and 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 there's a story that goes it's a long story but put it this way i ate a lot a lot of snickers bars one time under the radar and i got found out and i'll tell that story another time but it, it's it's uh, it's so it's been a tradition everyone knows that i love snickers bars Um, Anyone else like Snickers bars? Well, when you go out today, we're going to give you a Snickers bar. Uh, All the men and, of course, all the women can get one as well uh, also. All right. Father God, we thank you today. We're so thankful for you, our Heavenly Father. And as we take this moment to pause and to ponder what it is to be a father, what it is to to have fathers what it is to have a heavenly father i pray lord that you through the work of your spirit would would touch each and every heart and that you would move in our hearts in a special and profound way we ask this in jesus precious name amen amen you may be seated and by the way uh, i just had a thought coming in i know that i've talked about this book before but if you want to get a late Father's Day gift for a dad, this book would be an amazing thing to get them. I've uh, uh I got a hold of this a while back and I started reading it. I've been reading the Bible for a long time. Reading the Bible as a Christian for over four decades, but uh as a as a kid I was uh kind of was compulsory to read the Bible in a class we used to call it divinity. And uh But this is a fresh take on the Bible, and I want to really encourage you, if you haven't got a hold of one of these, get a hold of one, or it's a great Father's Day gift that you can give to someone afterwards. All right, Um, uh, good to have Raquel back from Peru, and uh, (coughs) uh, keep praying for Peru, Uh, they're in the midst of a very important and, you know, pretty critical uh, election and, and, uh, you know, we're living in interesting times. So pray for them, pray for the nation, uh, pray that God's will would be done. Well, it's Father's Day and we've already said Happy Father's Day, So, but I want to say it again, Happy Father's Day to you all, whether you're here or whether you're watching online. And it's a day when uh, we honor fathers. We show our gratitude to fathers. And every one of us has a different perspective when it comes to fathers and when we think about fathers. Whenever we speak about fathers, I'm aware that there are two main perspectives. The first perspective is that we look at fatherhood through the lens of our relationship with our natural fathers. All of us have fathers. So when we think of fatherhood, we think of fatherhood uh, in terms of our relationship with our natural fathers. And like Di has said, for many people, this day is a day with a lot of great memories, uh, a lot lot that we can be thankful for, a lot that we can celebrate when we think about fatherhood. but sadly, it's not such a great day for many people. There are some people who've never even met their fathers. There's some people who had uh, difficult and painful experiences in their childhood with their fathers and others who, in an ongoing, the ongoing relationship they have with their fathers, have kind of had a, a, a difficult, difficult time. But whether our relationship with our dads was great or not so great... All of us tend to look at fatherhood through the lens of our own experience. And I want to talk today about, as you can see on the screen, the fatherhood perspective. In other words, what is our perspective on fatherhood? What is our perspective on fathers? And uh, our relationship to a large degree as we look at fatherhood through the lens of our own fathers will determine the emotions that we experience today. The second lens that we look at fatherhood through is the, the lens of being fathers. I am a father. I have raised many children. My second name is Abraham, the father of a multitude. I am a spiritual father in the house of God. And so I look at fatherhood not only through the lens of my relationship with my father and my stepfather, because I had a stepfather, but also through the lens of me as a father to the children that I've raised. And of course, we have the joy of celebrating with our kids as fathers when our kids are with us. Of course, if you live in the United States of America, it seems like no other nation on the planet, uh, families seem to go to the four corners of this nation. And I have my own theory about that, I won't get into it, but it's all to do with universities and college, but that's another subject. If we were living in Sydney, no doubt all of our kids would be living in Sydney with us, but right now we have one of our kids is in in Atlanta, the other one is in Virginia, the other one is in Seattle, the other one is in Kansas, and one of them is here, and one in Australia. So there you go. All six of those kids in different parts of the world. But we received their love. I, I received a text from my daughter, uh, 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 Bella, in Seattle just before I got up. I didn't have time to read it, but she said, Happy Father's Day to the best dad in the world. And it was such a wonderful thing to be able to celebrate as a, as a, as a father. I have handwritten notes and and I was intending to bring one in that London made some time ago of, uh, of, a, of a tie, a plastic, you know, plastic-coated tie with a string on it, and she'd written on it all the things that she loved about me, all those things that I've kept over the years that are so important to me as a dad. Um, but along with all of that, there's an awareness of our deficiencies as fathers. I think that fathers sometimes beat themselves up more than they're given credit for. I think as a father speaking very openly and very honestly, if I could roll back time and I could start all over again knowing what I know now, I would do things very differently. There would be things that I would not pay as much attention to, there'd be be a, a grace that I would give. And you know the old saying that when you're the youngest kid, you get away with blue murder. But when you're the oldest kid, it seems like, you know, you, you get the hardest, the hardest. Uh, you pick the shortest straw. Do you know what, I, anyone know what I'm talking about? Please nod your heads if you know what I'm talking about. All the elder kids put their hands up. But I'm aware of my imperfections. We are, as fathers, aware of our imperfections. And I hope that Father's Day is not a day when we focus on our imperfections, because the truth is we're all imperfect. There's not one perfect person on the planet. The only one who is perfect is our Heavenly Father. But we can think about our imperfections, the things that we would do differently, the times when we wish that we'd had the wisdom of Solomon and that we didn't cut the baby in half, the times when uh, we wish uh, that we could have had those moments again where our responses, our, our reactions might have been different, our priorities with our time might have been different but the reality is that when you're a child and your perspective is that of your father and then you become a father, your perspective begins to change somewhat because instead of having one perspective, you now begin to have two perspectives. And you understand that being a father is not as easy as you thought it was when you were a child. Um, It's much easier making judgments of your father than being a father. (laughs) And so we look at fatherhood as fathers through the lens of our experience as fathers, and whichever of those is our perspective—whether we're thinking about our natural fathers or whether we are, as fathers, thinking about our fatherhood and the, and the way that we have fathered our children—the statistics overwhelmingly show that our relationship with our father is one of the most important factors in our development emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. That's why fatherhood is the enemy's number one target. I want to say that again. That's why fatherhood is the enemy's number one target. A child that grows up in the presence of a loving father uh, will grow up, according to extensive studies that have been done with loving fathers who are present, is far more likely to do well at school, to have a healthy self-esteem, to exhibit empathy and and positive social behavior, to avoid high-risk behaviors, missing school, and criminal activity will be far less likely because a father's presence is immeasurable in its impact on a healthy child's development. And our, our word for this year is presence. And I feel it's fitting that we should focus on this at this particular moment in time because our presence as, as natural dads, but also our presence as spiritual dads, Every male in this building today has the opportunity to be a spiritual dad. The Apostle Paul said, we have 10,000 teachers, but not many fathers. And so I don't want to be a teacher in the house of God. I want to be a father. I want to be able to share some of my experience. I want to be able to father younger people. I want to be able to Invest into younger people. And there are people here who have skills, who have abilities, who have experience, who have wisdom, who can invest in those that are younger, not just the men, but the younger women in the house, and be pillars in the house, be present in the house. And I do want to take a moment to say to all the men who are here, thank you for your presence. I know that Father's Day is the yes, give them a hand. Thank you for your presence in the house. Thank you for your presence today. Because I know that today, above all other days, is the day when sometimes other members in the family want to take you out. Hey, Dad, let's go dirt bike riding. And you've got the choice between going to church or dirt bike riding with your kids. Hey, Dad, let's go and go out surfing or let's go out on a boat today. Well, I want to thank you for making the right choice because it's Father's Day on Sunday, which is the Lord's Day, which is the Father's Day. And we're honoring the Father with our presence. And whether you're here in person or whether you're watching online, I want to thank you for that. Now, for those of you that weren't able to, I'm not heaping lashings of guilt on you because I know that there are situations and circumstances that arise. But I'm just saying... As a father, your presence is important. Every Sunday, your presence is important. You bring something. You add something. A father's presence is is immeasurable in its impact on young people. Even dad jokes are good for their development. Have you heard a good dad joke recently? Here's one. The dad goes to the doctor. He has a cucumber in one ear. Uh... A frankfurt in the other ear, a hot dog in the other ear, and two carrots up his nose. And he asks the doctor, I don't know what's wrong with me. And the doctor answers, I don't think you're eating properly. (laughs) Here's another one. Why don't crabs ever give to charity? Because they're shellfish. (laughs) Why did the snake go to the doctor? Because it had a frog in its throat. (laughs) Why do bees hum? Because they don't know the words. (laughs) See, even dad jokes create a bond between fathers and sons and daughters. And the reality is the problem of fatherlessness is a very real and present danger in our society. More than, according to the Center for Fatherhood, more than 20 million children in the United States live in a home without the physical presence of a father. Millions more have dads who are physically present but emotionally absent. If it were classified as a disease, fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of attention as a national emergency. And I do wanna make this statement. I believe that fatherlessness over the last 18 months has been a greater problem than COVID-19. I'm not underestimating the impact of COVID-19 and the loss of life through COVID-19, but fatherlessness is an epidemic. In fact, it's a, it's a global pandemic. And the statistics show, and I don't wanna bore you with statistics, and I'm gonna go through these quickly, but the majority of men in prison blame their dads for where they are in life. 63% of youth suicides, fatherless homes. 90% of homelessness and runaway children, fatherless homes, 85% of children with behavior disorder, fatherless homes, 80% of rapists with anger problems, fatherless homes, 71% high school student dropouts, fatherless homes, 75% adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers, fatherless homes, 71% of pregnant teenagers, fatherless homes, 85% of youth in prison, fatherless homes. So the statistics are overwhelming and the issues that we're dealing with, not just in a, a, a COVID. And again, I, my comment about COVID is not to underestimate the impact of COVID. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about a far greater problem that we're facing as a society. Father's presence, they provide love, acceptance, value, intimacy, discipline, security. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. There's a third perspective. The third First perspective is our perspective of our relationship with our natural father. The second perspective is our relationship as uh, uh, looking through the lens of us as fathers. And the third perspective is looking at fatherhood through the lens of our heavenly father. We all have a heavenly father. And we can all look at fatherhood and the correct way for us to look at fatherhood as it ought to be Fatherhood as it should be, fatherhood as it should be modeled, is to look at our heavenly father. In fact, this message could be called our father because Jesus demonstrated what that relationship could be. The good news today is that whatever your relationship may have been with your natural father, whatever failures we have made as fathers, we have a heavenly father. And we heard in that song this morning, he's a good, good father. Yes, he is. He loves us. And he is perfect in every way. And any deficit that we've had in our natural fathers can be uh, replenished through him. He's loving He's present. He'll never fail us. He'll never forsake us. In Him there is no shadow of turning. He is gracious. He is compassionate. He is merciful. He is understanding. He is ever listening. He always has time. He never gets impatient. He is long-suffering. He is ever-present. He is our unchanging, everlasting, eternal Heavenly Father. And so we can enjoy and experience all of the benefits of what it is to have a heavenly father. And I've been talking about beneficiaries and benefactors in a recent series, and we are beneficiaries of having a heavenly father. And if we become beneficiaries of having a heavenly father, we can be benefactors to those who we father or those who we parent whether whether you're a male or a female. God's desire as a father is found in the very last verse of the Old Testament. And it's an amazing thing that the last verse of the New Testament talks about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ being with us all. The last verse of the Old Testament talks about a curse. But here's what goes before it in the last verse. It shows God's desire to turn our hearts towards Him. He says, And He will turn the hearts of the children to. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. God is saying in the very last verses, or the last verse of the Old Testament, that his desire is to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And he follows it with these words, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Every curse known to man comes from a disconnect with our Father. I want to say that again. Every curse that came to man has come from a disconnect with our Father. If we were to do a Bible study right now, and I was to tell you, take your notebooks out, I'd go back to the book of Genesis, and I'd find the disconnect between Adam and Eve and their Heavenly Father, and the curse that came as a result of their fall, the sickness, the disease, the suffering, the pain, the anguish, the decay, the death that came out of that, all came out of what? A disconnect from their Heavenly Father. But Jesus came to reconnect us to our Heavenly Father, and this... Sunday, as we think about fatherhood and our perspective on fatherhood, I want to encourage you, let's look at fatherhood. Yes, we look through the first lens of our relationship with our fathers, the second lens of us as fathers, but let the, let the overriding, overarching lens through which we look at fatherhood be the third perspective as we look through at fatherhood through the lens of our relationship with our heavenly father. So what is our perspective of our Heavenly Father? I'm going to say something that's a bit of a conundrum. I want you to listen and to think. Our perspective of the Father is determined by our perspective of the Father's perspective of us. I'm going to say it again. Our perspective of the Father is determined by our perspective of the Father's perspective of us. I'm going to... Unpack that. The way I see my Heavenly Father is determined by the way I think my Heavenly Father sees me. The way I see my Heavenly Father is determined by the way I think my Heavenly Father sees me. The lens through which I see my Heavenly Father is shaped by my understanding of the lens through which He sees all of us. So let me ask you this question. If you think that God is looking at you through a hypercritical lens, waiting to jump on every mistake, waiting to highlight every mistake and every fault, that's going to determine our perspective of God. We're going to think that's what God's like. He's up there in heaven with a big stick waiting for me to do something wrong, and He's going to take great delight in correcting me. But if we see God as a loving, generous, good Father, then that's going to determine the way that we see God knowing the way He sees us. You may be familiar. Uh, No doubt you will be if you've read the The Bible, you'll be familiar with the story of the the talents, the parable of the talents. And last week I referred to it. A master master gives one servant five talents, the other two and the other other three and the other one. He goes away, comes back, the five-talent servant says, here's five more. Three-talent servant says, look, I've used what you gave me. Here's three more. The one-talent servant says an interesting thing. He said, I knew you to be a hard man. Did he? He didn't say he knew him to be a hard man. What he meant was, I thought of you as a hard man. I perceived you as a hard man. My perspective of you was that you're a hard man, you reap where you haven't sown, and I was afraid. And because I was afraid, I hid my talent in the ground. I've dug it up, here it is, I'm going to give it back to you. So the problem with that one talent servant was the way he saw his perspective of the master. And his perspective of the master determined what he did with his life and how he lived his life. He lived his life in fear. He lived his life without using what had been entrusted to him. And his response or lack of response was based on his perspective of the way he thought his master saw him and the way he saw his master. So our perspective is going to be shaped By the way, we see or how we think our Father sees us. I want you to pause for a moment, and I'm going to be wrapping up soon um, because I know that Father's Day lunch is beckoning. How do you think God looks at you? How do you think God looks at you in an overall sense? Well, Jesus told one story, which stands out above all, above all other stories when it comes to uh, the Heavenly Father's, our Heavenly Father's perspective of us. And that story is found in Luke 15, and it's the story of the prodigal son or the wasteful son. But in actual fact, it's a story about two sons. One son who stayed at home and the other son who strayed. Now, you may think for a moment... I know exactly where I fit in that category. I I was the one that strayed, you were all the ones that stayed. I know. Just kidding. Um, There was one that strayed and one that stayed, and Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, and the story, just in 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 a nutshell, was that one of the younger son the younger son asked for his inheritance. Father gave it to him. He took it off to a far off land and he squandered it. He wasted it all. And in, in, in at, at his wits end, in the midst of a famine, he found himself feeding pigs, which was about as low as a Jewish boy could go. And he was so hungry, he could have eaten the food that he was feeding the pigs. And he said to himself, I'm out of my mind. And there's a verse that he says, and he came to his senses. When he came to his right mind, he thought, even the servants in my father's house are doing better than me. I'm going back. I'm going to say to my father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like a hired servant. So he turns and he turns towards his father and his father's watching. This is important. His father's watching. You can imagine his father scanning the horizon. He's scanning the horizon every morning every evening watching and waiting for his son to come home. One day he sees his son coming. And as he sees his son coming, he comes down from the roof of his house and he runs towards his son. It's the only place in the Bible you see God running. He ran towards his son. And as his son began his research, speak, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and again, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. His father embraced him and hugged him and wept on his neck. And he said, come, and he took sandals and put them on his feet. And he, he, he put a robe on him and a ring on his finger, and he restored him immediately. And in that story, there's three things I want to close with that are important. And I don't have time today to unpack them, but I want to encourage you to take a moment. Go home. Father's Day would be a great day to read the story of the two sons because it really is such a profound and powerful message for us. And there's three things that we see in that story about how God, the Father, is a picture of God. The sons are a picture of you and I. God sees us. Our Heavenly Father looks at us through the lens of His love not the lens of our behavior. And it's so important that we who are, you know, as we grow up, we're so gold star conscious. We're so reward conscious of doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. God sees us through the lens of His love, not through the lens of our behavior. The younger son, whose behavior was... was extreme yet the father continued to love his son despite his behavior the father knew that his son was going to stray he saw all the signs he saw the way that his life was shaking up shaping up and yet despite all that he watched and waited he loved he hoped he waited he was expectant that's what God's like with us Before I came to Christ, I know that that's the way that God was looking at me. And yet the older brother looked at him through the lens of his behavior. And he said to his father, when this son of yours came back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. He didn't think that his father should judge him look at him through the lens of love. He thought that his father should look at him through the lens of his behavior. And not only that, but he was making some serious presumptions because there's nothing in the story to indicate that he had wasted his money or even spent any time with prostitutes. Yet the, young, the older son made that assumption. Why? Because he looked at his brother through the lens of his behavior, not through the lens of love. God looks at us through the lens of His love, not our behavior. Therefore, for us who've received that, how powerful that we can look at others through the lens of love rather than through the lens of their behavior. The second thing we see is that our Heavenly Father looks at us through the lens of forgiveness, not judgment. We see in the story that the father was filled with compassion and he ran to his son. He embraced him. He kissed him. But the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. The father looked at him through the lens of forgiveness. The young older brother looked at him through the lens of judgment. And in fact, that was the cultural expectation of the day. readers, when we read that story, we read, oh yeah, what a nice story. But during the day, people were shocked. People were shocked that he, the father didn't make the youngest son who'd brought shame on the family, who had who had dishonored his father, that he wasn't made a servant or that he wasn't beaten. In fact, in a book that I've read called Poet and Peasant, which is Written about the cultural background to Jesus' parables, the writer of the book researched in Palestine and asked, uh, probably a decade or two ago when the book was written, What would happen in your culture today if this took place? And the elders of the village said, He would be beaten without any question, he would be judged because that was the cultural expectation. And yet, God looks at us through the lens of forgiveness not judgment he gave him shoes instead of bare feet a ring instead of a stick a robe instead of a servant's tunic a fattened calf instead of the servant's meal thirdly our heavenly father looks at us through the lens of grace not performance i'm going to ask the worship team to come right now as i close the oldest the oldest son was so incensed when the father threw a party for the son that had strayed and this is what he said he saw his father celebrating his son even though his son had shamed and humiliated the family and brought dishonor on the family and he said all these years i've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. The difference between the father and the older son was that the father looked at his son through the lens of grace. The brother looked at him through the lens of his performance. He hadn't earned the right to sonship. He hadn't earned the right to be the heir. He hadn't earned the right to the inheritance. He hadn't earned the right to forgiveness. But the father's love, forgiveness, and acceptance of both sons was not based on their performance, but it was based on grace. Grace is the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. Grace is that the reality that we receive what we don't deserve and we don't receive what we do deserve. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not because of works or performance, lest any man should boast. For by grace you have been saved, lest anyone should boast. That's the lens through which our Father sees us. And when we see that the Father sees us through that lens, it changes the lens we look through. When we look at our natural fathers. When we look at our fatherhood. Let your father off the hook. Fathers, let yourself off the hook because jesus taught us about the power of forgiveness and the power of looking through the lens of forgiveness not judgment of grace not performance of looking at love through the lens of love not behavior when jesus prayed our father that was the beginning of his prayer Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And as I close, I want to encourage every one of you today, whatever your relationship may be or have been with your parent, with your father, whatever that relationship may have been, the power and the key to your freedom The key to our freedom in all of this is to let your father off the hook. In other words, forgive him. Whatever he may have done, whatever he may not have done, as a father, let it go. Thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for a new beginning. Thank God for a fresh start. Why? Because God has done that for each and every one of us. The word for offense in the Bible is the Greek word skandalon. The Greek word skandalon is literally the word that's used for a bait on a trap. You know the little thing you put the bit of cheese on, on a mouse trap to catch the mouse? That's the skandalon. The offense. What the pain, the wrongdoing is the trap, is the bait that keeps us trapped if we don't let it go let it go someone once said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the person who harmed you to die let it go because God wants us to look through the same lens that he looks through to us as our Heavenly Father through the lens of love not our behavior. Forgiveness, not judgment. Grace, not performance. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. Would you stand with me? I want to pray with you. Father God, we come to you this, mo- this morning aware of the amazing sense of your love and your presence. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us we thank you that you jesus were the exact representation of our heavenly father and today as we come to you all of us with different perspectives and all of us with different experiences i pray lord that we might see you as you see us and as we see you we would be transformed and we would be changed that the lens at which through which we look at our world the lens through which we look at others our dads the lens through which we judge our own performance as as fathers both natural and spiritual might be the lens through which you look at us through the lens of love through the lens of forgiveness and through the lens of grace lord for those of us that need to let go I pray that you would help us through the grace and power of your spirit to let go in Jesus' name. And we honor you and we worship you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Amen. One last thing I want to do before we go is if you would just close your eyes for a moment and i want to ask every single person here to take a moment to think about your relationship with god whether you have never ever made a conscious decision to accept christ as your savior you've never ever made a conscious decision to do what i did over 42 years ago and what the younger son in the story of the prodigal son did when he came to his senses and said, I need to turn towards my father. I want to give you an opportunity to turn towards your heavenly father today to come home. And I promise you, your father, your heavenly father is watching. He's looking. He's waiting. And the moment you turn to him, he's going to come running towards you, embrace you and forgive you. And all that is possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. He took our guilt upon himself so we could be free of the penalty of sin and receive the gift of eternal life. So I'm going to invite you today, whether it's online or whether you're here in person, pray this prayer with me. Whether you're making a recommitment of your life to Christ or for the very first time, I know God's listening. He's going to hear your prayer and he's going to answer your prayer today in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father, I thank you today today for your love, your your forgiveness, and your grace. grace. And today, today, I ask you to forgive forgive me, me, cleanse me, wash me clean, clean, give me a fresh start. start And I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Savior. Heavenly Father, Father, I'm coming home. I thank you your love. For your love. I thank you, for the gift of life. thank you for the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Name I pray. Amen. Amen. amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand of praise. Thank God for His grace. If you prayed that prayer, whether it's online or whether you're here, we have a book called Following Jesus. We want to give it to you as a gift. We have a class or a group that meets here every Sunday morning before our service, half an hour before our service, and we discuss that. We'd love you to join us and uh, be a part of that. Grab a great cup of coffee. You can do that after the service. Best cup of coffee you'll get all day here. And uh, thank you so much for coming. I pray that the word was an encouragement to you. Again, happy Father's Day. Have a blessed day. And we look forward to seeing you next weekend. It's going to be a great day in church. Make sure you, you, you check out everything that's happening online. If you didn't know it, I send you a love letter every Saturday morning. I know some of you haven't been reading it, and I've been feeling very rejected that you don't read my love letter. But there's a love letter I send to you every week. I put a lot of thought and prayer into it take time to read it. If you want to see what we've been doing through our giving, there's a link in this, the letter that went out yesterday that you can check the video out on there.